Hello, and welcome to the Above Average Irrelevance podcast. This is episode 30. Today is Wednesday, January 11th. I'm Matt Weaver, and I'm here drinking coffee with, as always, Scott Nelson. It's not really true. Sometimes we're drinking whiskey. Right, but it's January, and it's you're January, not drinking alcohol. And I'm not, no. So decaf coffee it is. It's been... Woo! Uh, it's been, I don't think I had any, it sounds sad, but I didn't, I don't think I had any booze on New Year's Eve. So even though today is the 11th, I think it's been 12 days. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, you know, it's okay. I had a friend visiting this past weekend. He and I normally drink a lot together. He was drinking, but, uh, but I was not. And so... How'd that go? It was fine. I could get up in the morning and, like, make breakfast and coffee, and uh, I felt fine. And he looked like maybe he'd been drinking the night before. Not drinking has been okay. It, it does make it a little awkward in certain social situations. Um, but that's okay. And uh, there have been times where I've thought, man, I should text Scott and see if he wants to go get a... Never mind. Right. <laughs> Because I'll be driving by the Thirsty Belgian or something and be like, oh, yeah, no. Well, <clears throat> because you aren't drinking in January, I haven't been drinking much yet either. I think I've had like one beer in the month of January when I was having dinner with somebody. But there's been no bar time, so. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> well, I don't know if that's good or bad that I'm the person you go to the bar with. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm leading you astray. So your other, the other part of your challenge was no sweets. No sweets. How's that going? You sticking to that too? Yes. Um, although to be fair, at friend visiting, we had French toast for breakfast one day. And I put maple syrup on it. That's not really a sweet in the same respect as a brownie or a cookie. No. Though it is a lot of sugar. I, it, yeah, I would... I would qualify that as a sweet. Um, but other than that, it's been going okay. Uh, I have thought a lot more about <clears throat> uh, sugar in general, like refined sugars in general. Not just is it a sweet or not, but does this thing that I am consuming have refined sugar in it? Normally in my coffee, you know, I put a little cream... Um, that often doesn't have refined sugar. The cream doesn't, usually. But a lot of times I like a little flavoring, a little vanilla flavoring in there, and that often has a lot of sugar in it. Um, would I give that up? <laughs> I don't think so. Um, you know, you most peanut butter has sugar in it. Uh, I've tried... Not if you buy... Yeah. If you buy natural peanut butter, that's actually natural peanut butter. Yeah, and I've tried that. Okay. And it's, it's just way less interesting. Hmm. Have you noticed that most, like, name brand or, like, you know, Skippy Jif natural peanut butter isn't 100% natural? Like, true natural peanut butter, the ingredients are peanuts and salt. Right. Right? Like, Skippy Natural still has a bunch of oil and sugar and crap in it. Like, yep. there's some FDA rule, like, it has to be, like, 90% natural or something like that. Yeah. Um, so unless it just says ingredients, peanuts, salt, it's not actual. No, but to be fair, a lot of those, when you look at the ingredients list and then you pull out like the regular non-fancy peanut butter in the ingredients list, like the natural one is a lot shorter. Yes. There's, there's all kinds of other... It is better. It's all kinds of other stuff. It is better. It is not just peanuts. Yes, but I've had the ones that are just mm. peanuts and, uh, man... It just kind of sucks all the joy out of a PB&J. For me. I suppose I could learn to like it, but yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of sugar and stuff. Yes. Cereal that you think is a healthy adult cereal? No. No. <laughs> You'd actually be better yeah. off with Cocoa Puffs sometimes. Yeah. Um, Pretty much like Cheerios, Cornflakes, there. Yeah, there's a very small list of sugars or cereals that have no sugar added. Cheerio has sugar. Yeah, I guess, but not much. Uh, I was at the grocery store last week, and 
Uh, I went down the cereal aisle. The only thing I found that didn't have sugar in it was uh, post-shredded wheat. Hmm. Now you're talking like you look at the ingredient list and look for the word sugar. You're not talking about looking at the nutrition label and the sugars line. Because that's not necessarily added sugar. That could be naturally occurring sugar. Yeah, so shredded wheat has no sugar on the sugars line. It also doesn't have any... In the ingredients in list. In the ingredients list. That's the important place to look, is the ingredients right. list. <clears throat> but you got to... And if you really want to be able to do that, you got to know all the chemical names for your sugars. Because mm. right? <laughs> almost none of them just say sugar. Right. Because people can spot that and say, oh, that's bad. Mm. But it turns out there's a lot of sugar in that stuff. I don't know. Sugar pervades what we eat as Americans. Yep. Um, I don't know if it's good or bad, but it is. Okay. Should we actually start with the things we are going to talk about this week? First, I got to give you an update on my AirPods. Okay. Life changing. Life changing. Yes. Let's hear it. I love them. I would say it's my new like favorite thing since I got my iPhone a couple years ago. Like new favorite piece of technology. Um, they fit in that little coin pocket, mm-hmm. you know, in my jeans. I carry them around all the time. I have them with me all the time. Um, at work, I put them in. I just leave them in all day, whether I'm listening to something or not. I mean, they're that comfortable that I forget they're in. Um, Do you just charge the whole dingus every night yes and then usually at some point during the day you know i'll take them out go to a meeting or something put them back in the case they're in there for an hour they're completely recharged um my main complaint of not being able to pause or play uh, without using siri there's a configuration setting really yes that apple has not advertised very well because i heard about it on a podcast Hmm. i was like oh my gosh you go into the bluetooth settings for the bluetooth device and you can change so double tap is play pause. Ah. So now my double tap Siri doesn't come up. I don't deal with that nonsense. How do you enable Siri now? Is it like a triple tap or something? No, you have one. There's one gesture, double tap. You get one action. One or the other. Yeah. Interesting. Well, that's cool. So yeah, I am really in love with them. Um, so far, I have no complaints. I And the range is amazing. So I work in a pretty small office. But I'll leave my phone sitting on my desk and I'll get up and go to the bathroom like, I don't know, it's probably 50 feet away. Yeah. They don't cut out. Yeah. So you can, you know, relieve yourself while still rocking out. I know. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's more of a convenience thing, right? Like I don't have to take my headphones off. I don't take my earbuds out. I just stand up. I'm completely mobile. There's no cord. There's no, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure you think... I'm crazy, but it. I am really loving the AirPods. Oh, that's that's really good news. Um, unrelated to your AirPods, but related, uh, I've been having for the last couple of days a discussion with a friend of mine, um, who's another, you know, programmer nerd like we are, but he just happens to be an Android phone user. I mean, he has a, his work is giving him a MacBook Pro to work on. So he has an Apple, right, and an Android phone, um, which is on, I don't, I guess he may be the only person I know that, that is that way. Uses a Mac, but has an Android phone. Yeah. Um, but it's neither here nor there. He's, he's a smart guy and I respect him a lot, but we got to talking the other day about, um, this stuff and he kind of naturally brought up that he thinks a phone without a headphone jack is ridiculous right because he has no interest at all in bluetooth headphones uh and his primary reason why is it's another thing to charge and he in general seems to do a bad job at that stuff and he's like i'm sure if i had them Every time I'd go to use them, they would be out of juice. And then I wouldn't have any that would work. And that would drive him crazy. And that that's a very rational fear. But I said, you know, I have Bluetooth headphones. And I got them 
for using at the gym, you know, when I'm on the treadmill, because I didn't want the wire to connect between, you know, my ears and the phone sitting up on the, on the treadmill or the machine or whatever. Right. And he said, <clears throat> you know, that how can the wire possibly get in your way? Right. Like his basic argument is we've had headphones for you know, 50 years, however long we've had headphones, and they've always had a wire. I don't, how is this a problem? And I said, well, you would think that, except, you know, last week I was at the gym, I was running on the treadmill, and on the treadmill next to me was a young man, you know, wearing new, new gym clothes, right? He had a new outfit for coming to the gym. He looked very much like a, a, a resolutioner, a New Year's resolutioner, right? Okay. I mean, you you go to yeah. the gym, right? So you know, January it gets yes. busy, right? Um, and I'm all for people making a change in their life, right? But you know, some people you can look at it and just tell, like, I don't know that you're really committed to this, right? But he was there, new outfit, headphones, wired right to his phone, had it there. He started running, um, like many people who start running he started running pretty fast um i hope this isn't going to end with him pulling the phone off of the treadmill ledge. it's exactly yeah. where it ended because he got his hand caught up in mm -hmm. the cord right yep. yanked the phone right off the treadmill it bounced the treadmill shoots it out the back he almost fell off of course because yeah. all this stuff was tumbling down um his phone seemed to be okay picked it up it kept on working yeah. it didn't look like it was broken but i you know, I had my Bluetooth headphones in and I looked down the other way and uh, everyone else who was listening had Bluetooth headphones. Yeah. I'm like, this is why you have Bluetooth headphones. And so I related this story to my friend who said Bluetooth headphones are dumb. Yeah, and I would say his argument that the cord isn't a problem, that's what's absurd. Well, Has he never like shoveled snow wearing corded headphones or like done it, anything it, with any sort of upper body movement with a cord? His, his, uh, his response was, can't fix stupid. Which is very him. Okay. And so then today I was at the gym, running on the treadmill, right? With my Bluetooth headphones. And on a treadmill, like three or four treadmills down, there's a dude running with wired headphones, right? Halfway through his run, got tangled in the cord, yanked his phone right <laughs> off, right? Shot out the back, right? It was a big, loud commotion. <laughs> <laughs> so I immediately get on my phone, right? While I'm, as soon as I get done running and I'm just walking and I'm texting my friend, I'm like, dude to the treadmill, just, just yanked his phone right mm -hmm. off. Right. And he, <laughs> I, it's, um, it's maybe a little cruel of me to say, but I got my friend spun up. Yeah. Right. And he was having a little mini rant about how terrible Bluetooth headphones are. And I was just kind of setting my phone down when the, you know, with a big smile on my face saying, yep, <laughs> keep yep. saying all these things because I'm saving all of this <laughs> and I'm going to make you eat these words when you finally get Bluetooth headphones and they change your life. Right. <laughs> I, you know, I hear the argument that it's a problem that they're never charged and it's one more thing to charge because I've complained about that, having multiple sets of Bluetooth headphones uncharged right. and none to use. The charging case fixes the problem. Yeah. It really does. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, I charge it on my nightstand with my phone every night, and I've never run out of power for the headphones during a day. Yeah. So. The, uh, I think that's the key. You keep them in your pocket. You charge them every night. Um, what more do you need? Yeah, I mean, the corded Bluetooth headphones, I always, there isn't really a good way to describe those maybe connected bluetooth headphones i keep when i talking when i'm talking to people i keep saying corded bluetooth headphones which makes them sound kind of like an oxymoron right i, I know there's what no you cord mean, but, but yeah but we i guess they're like connected bluetooth earbuds essentially um if someone had come out with a case that was a charging case for the connected bluetooth earphones i mean it, it would have solved the problem in the same way it's just no one has done that yeah i think if, um, you know, the, there are these various inductive charging technologies that none have ever really caught on, which is kind of sad because I, I'd kind of hope that they would, I'd much rather just have a big mat 
that you just lay everything on. Yeah, then I could just empty out my pockets yeah. and dump all that stuff on, and it can just charge. But I think that's the eventuality. I, I would have thought it would have happened by now, but maybe. I mean, a few Apple. Years. Apple is intent on making the phones as thin as possible, which is going to preclude. Like, I don't think that's ever going to bubble up to the list to include inductive charging in there. And the rest of the universe is happy to just stick a stupid mini USB plug on stuff, right? Yeah. Um, hopefully it will switch to USB-C plugs, but even so, it's still just, you know, cheaper to put a plug in than put some sort of technology in for. Right. I, after my experience with the AirPods, I would have no hesitation in getting the iPhone 7 or getting a phone without a headphone jack. Um, I have not plugged corded headphones into my phone since I got the AirPods. Um, so. I've thought about it. I I have a wired headset, you know, for making calls. Mm-hmm. But I use with my phone a lot. Um, but I've had it for many years, and I got it because remember the first couple generations of Bluetooth headsets terrible. were terrible, uh, and. I had a job, I had to be on the phone, and I needed it to mm-hmm. not sound terrible. Right. Um, but the uh, the current Bluetooth ones are pretty good. Um, so other than plugging in my wired headset, because that's just what I have and it works well, I don't know if I have... Maybe once or twice I've plugged in some headphones when I've been traveling, <clears throat> and it's just... You know, I'm in a hotel room or I'm somewhere where I don't have my iPad or whatever with me and I just listen to music or whatever. But I almost never use headphones on my phone. Um, When I do listen to music most or podcasts most of the time, it's with the Bluetooth headphones while I'm working out or I'm at home and I'm just airplaying it to the stereo. Right. So, um, yeah, I... I think Apple knew how much people use the headphone jack for listening to music. Um, Because I think, I have to assume that that's part of the anonymous usage data that they collect from Mm -hmm. all their users. Um, And I have to assume that they thought that number was Was... low enough that it wasn't going to matter. Yep. How frequently do you think Apple's going to update the AirPods? Like a new generation? Yeah. I don't know. I would guess that they'll come out with a second version in a year. Why? What makes you think that? Make them smaller. (laughs) I don't know. I just, um, you know, I have some, maybe it can all be fixed with software, but I told you I have the issue with taking phone calls. Yeah. Robot Um, voice, right? Yeah. uh, I've still been experiencing that every once in a while. Um, I think the there's been a lot of pushback on the gestures, the Siri integration. I think they would be wise to add more on-device controls of some sort. Yep. Maybe that can be done in software. I don't know. See, I, I think some of that can't be done without updating like the firmware on the AirPods themselves. And from what I understand, there's no way to do that. But I guess it has a lightning. I mean, I could plug it into a computer via a lightning cable. Maybe there is a way to update the firmware through the charging case. I doubt it. I don't know. I I think there are many things that they might decide that they want to do, but I think it's going to be driven by when they can make a significant evolution of the computer chips in there so that they can gain a meaningful improvement in battery life. That's my guess. And I don't know that that'll be in a year. That might be a two or three year. Maybe not, because honestly, the battery life is good enough. Whereas, like, first generation Apple Watch, the battery life was not good enough. Right. Um, I think it's more likely if they to have another generation if they had a sport model, like you've discussed. Sure. But now that yeah. Apple owns Beats, they may not care. Mm-mm. Beats may come out with a new set of these things every six months. Right. Right, and Apple won't. Um, it is a little odd, even, that there's actually an Apple-branded one 
at all. Yeah, once after buying Beats, that is true. But I guess they still wanted to have the white thing, right? Yeah. Um, I would say this is definitely above average for a first-generation Apple product. Yeah, well, that's You know, good. notoriously, their first-generation products are limited or have problems. Um, I think these are definitely above average as far as the track record goes. So. That's good. I um, I kind of want them. I kind of don't. I don't know. Like I discussed before, I mean, this is something I really wanted. You know, this is an itch that I have needed scratch for a long time. Someone who isn't a heavy Bluetooth, you know, headphone right. user, probably not worth it. I mean, they're kind of pricey. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe next Christmas, if they've come down in price, maybe, maybe it's a good Christmas gift. Yeah, I was going to say, I think they're still really, they're really tight short supply. supply. Yeah, yeah, six weeks is the shipping time for them. Man. Um, so they're still um, in high demand, which is good. I'm glad they deserve to be. Yeah. And a lot of that is post-reviews, right? Like once they're out, once people see them, once people are using them. Um, well, and you, everybody's got that one guy in their office that has them. Right. That's probably gushing over them. And they're like, oh, yeah. well, maybe that's what I want. So there's a couple other people in my office that have them. Yeah. And I did not take mine out and put them in until I saw somebody else using them. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I'm fairly new in this office and I didn't want to be like the first guy with the AirPods. But <laughs> why not? I don't know. Let your geek flag fry. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Real topics. Uh, well, um, now we have to have an aside to our an aside. Uh, how's the diet going? Oh, good. Um, well... I guess I shouldn't be too excited. I'm back on track. I weighed this morning, and now I am back to where I was before Christmas. So I'm at where I've lost like 6.3 pounds or something like that. I mean, that's only, um, that's like 17 days yeah. since Christmas. But I mean, I'm way behind on my three pounds a week goal. I'm like essentially nine pounds behind now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's not an insurmountable deficit. A, that's not an insurmountable deficit. Right. And B, I'm happy that I'm back on track. I'm back moving in the right direction. So. Cool. I don't have any awesome, amazing update at this point. But you're still trucking. I'm hanging in there. Uh, even after, you know, we watched the Alabama-Clemson game and had an endless... Copious amount of wings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some friends were making some wings, and they were good, and we ate them all. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I hope I have really good forward progress news next week. We'll see. I think you have forward progress news this week, yeah. right? You're behind schedule, but I think there are a lot of people who would say, what, you lost all your Christmas yeah. weight in two weeks? Right. And they'd be angry at you. So I did weigh... I, I am going to start weighing a little more frequently, like we had talked about. So I weighed Monday, I weighed today, I'll probably weigh again Friday. I think I might do like every other day. There you go. I think that's a better plan than waiting a whole week. Cool. So it should, I guess I didn't check the tracker, but it should be out there. So. All right. Well, speaking of tracking, that leads us right into our first story about... Uh, the murder where there was an Amazon Echo in the room. Uh, this was what, in Alabama? Where was it? Someplace in the south, I thought. Um, let me scroll up here. Arkansas. Arkansas. Same difference. <laughs> uh, sort of. Um, and uh, so somebody was uh, apparently murdered which is very unfortunate. Um, there was an echo in the room and the police have um, given a, uh, a search warrant to Amazon to see if did this thing record anything um, during the murder. Um, Amazon hasn't responded yet to this search warrant. And they seem to be hesitant to do so. Um, 
<clears throat> makes you wonder why. That this article didn't go into what did the search warrant say. Amazon's made some suggestions that this search warrant was a very broad search warrant. Maybe it was, and maybe that's a bad precedent to set. I don't know. Um, if you're a conspiracy theorist, if Amazon reveals what data they have, it might reveal that they have more data than they're telling t- people yes. that they have. Um, and you've that's, got one of these right. things sitting in yeah. the corner right over there, and it's kind of like, I mean, it's black, but you could kind of imagine if you put like a little red dot on it, it'd look just like HAL 9000, and yeah. it would be plotting <laughs> to kill me, right? Um, so I think the first thing you think when reading this is like, what do they think the guy asked? Like, asked the Echo, how do I clean up a murder or something? But that's not what it is. They want any stray bits of audio that were recorded mm-hmm. um, during the time period. Right. Before and after the alleged murder. Yes. And if you give it a voice command, it records... Because it's listening on device, it's mm-hmm. listening all the time. And as soon as it hears a command word, it then, because it's listening all the time, kind of like a DVR is always recording your TV, it it sends, you know, just before you it heard what you said until it thinks you're done giving the command, it sends yes. all that up to Amazon, which could cons- pres- presumably include more than what you think it includes. So if, for instance, this person was listening to music and someone came in, they might tell their device to stop streaming the music. And so there would be that snippet, and maybe you'd hear what else was going on. It's a fascinating... Yes, there could be other audio clues present in the snippets that were sent to Amazon. Yeah. I I also think there's a possibility that it's sending more audio. Like you said, it's sending more audio than they say. Um, Because I think they're probably doing some sort of testing. Like they probably have a threshold of the device determining whether or not you've said the A word. (laughs) And we, we know that it's, you know, when we've been podcasting before, it's come on... Um, because you've said something that sort of resembles that, but isn't quite like it's yeah. come on without actually saying the A word. Right. So there must be a threshold where, you know, or you have to cross some threshold of similarity um, in well, order and we've for it speculated, to turn on. I guess I haven't gone and seen if, if there's a teardown, but we've speculated that that thing's probably got some 69 cent CPU from 2003 right. in it. Right. So it probably has almost no computing power in the device. Um, I, we should, I'm curious if somebody's done a teardown to see exactly right. what, because there's probably some old system on a chip, you know, from some Android phone from five years ago yeah. in there, right. That costs almost nothing. Cause that would probably be all the horsepower you would need to yep. listen for yo dingus. Right. And then it would, you know, record yeah. and send the rest up. So for instance, maybe for research purposes, if you get anywhere near that threshold, but it wasn't close enough for the device to come on, maybe they're sending that data because they're doing some research on the back end. They have people who are listening to it and f- more finely tuning, listening for the A word. Like I can see other research scenarios where they might be sending stuff that they aren't telling you. Maybe that seems like a big old lawsuit yeah. waiting to come steamrolling their to their doorstep, but. On the other hand, if it was, you know, nefariously sending a bunch of stuff, I think we know about it because anytime there's a device like this, you know, people fire up Wireshark and they monitor what's being sent. And I feel like there would be an expose. Like anytime something is being sent, you know, over the Internet, it can be captured by someone with the right software and equipment. Yeah. So someone has to be monitoring the Echo to see exactly what gets sent. Sure. And I think we would know if it was sending. Yeah, you're probably right. I don't think Amazon's doing anything nefarious. But um, but it's possible, as you suggested, if something gets close to the threshold where it might trigger, they might record it. Mm. And just maybe once a week or something, it you know sends up the stuff that's close because... 
having plenty of storage in that thing to record everything in the room for six months would would be almost free. I mean, the you know, getting huge amounts of of flash storage in a device like that was is not very much money. Right. And those things are a hundred and fifty dollars or something like that. Right. So, yeah, I can't remember. I bought it on one of those like Amazon Black Friday in the summer deals or something. I think it was a right around a hundred bucks. Yeah. So which is uh you know, it's a lot of money for that thing. So uh, I don't know if they're going to get the echo data or not. But then the interesting thing was, did you get to the end of the article where it said they had, they did subpoena, subpoena, um, water usage data yep. and like a smart water meter that you could tell exactly when the water was used. And there was like 140 gallons of water used around the time of the alleged killing. Right. So they're pretty sure there was some serious cleanup going on. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and that's interesting, right? Because it this article highlights the changing nature of police work and the data trail that you leave um, just in your day-to-day usage, right? Like, you know, you could tell uh, there's a smart uh, water meter. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, there's a smart water meter on my house, right? The mm-hmm. RPU has done that here. And... Um, it's pretty easy to know how much water comes into my house every day. I'm sure it'd be easy to tell what day I have guests visiting, what day I'm doing laundry, and what days I'm not at home. Right. Just based on water. Mm -hmm. And uh, who can see that data? I don't know. Right? Um, I don't think my water company is going to do anything nefarious, but... I don't really have a lot of trust that my water company is protecting this data from nefarious people. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, The sheer fact that the data exists and it's under someone else's control. Yeah. I mean, people say I'm crazy, but, you know, I have a a home phone, which is a pay-as-you-go smartphone. um, And that's the number, you know, whenever you've got to fill out a form... You know, what's your phone number, right? And I know that that number is going to end up in somebody's database somewhere. That's the number I give them. I do not give almost anybody my cell phone number, yeah. right? Human beings, people I might want to actually talk to, can have that number, right? But corporations, entities on the internet? No. No, right? Because it's going to yeah. be in a database and no, somebody I think can smart. use it. I've made that mistake. I use my cell phone everywhere and... The amount of like spam phone calls, what do you call them, telemarketing calls I've gotten to my cell phone just in the last year has increased exponentially. Yeah. I've even decided, uh, you know, some restaurants now have the uh, give me your phone number and I'll send you a text message when your table is ready. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. not doing that anymore because <laughs> the last couple of times I've done that, you know, the week after that, the amount of spam texts and phone calls I get yeah, goes yeah. way up. So, done with that. Um, I'm preparing myself for how that conversation is going to go. Yeah. Because I'll probably have my cell phone in my hand, and I'll be like, what's your cell phone number? No. That's actually a good idea. Um, This isn't like a huge use case, but, you know, the way Twilio works, you can get a number just for a short period of time. So, essentially, you would get a throwaway number. Mm-hmm. For the next hour, where you're going to receive your text message, yeah, and then when it's done, it goes away, and it costs you ten cents or something, you know. Oh, that might be a thing to investigate. It's kind of for a while that was a thing where people were doing like disposable email, like you would create an email account, mail existed maybe. just long enough, you yeah. know, to um, sign up for something, and then it would go away. I'm surprised nobody started doing the same thing with phone numbers. Yeah, they do it with credit cards, right? Like your tokenized credit card number. For yep. your single purchase, why couldn't you have a single-use telephone number? Right. Like, intrinsically, wow, that thing really does have a battery backup. <laughs> intrinsically, I'm not opposed to uh, getting, you know, using my phone as a way to decide when my table is ready. But, um, 
I'm just I'm concerned about the data trail that that leaves and how people use and misuse that data because mm-hmm. that's never discussed. Right. Um, and I'm sure, like I can imagine the restaurant that this is going to happen in. Right. It's the it's the one downtown we go to sometimes. Right. That's what they do now when they're at a wait, and they're going to say, "Oh, we don't, we we will never." We're not going to call you. We don't use your number for anything. I'm going to say, I'm sure that you will not. But I'm sure that the service that you're using to do this will. Right. Right. Whether you know it yeah, or not. Just ask them, did you build the software that's going to text me? The 20-year-old girl that works <laughs> yeah. at the front does not care or know. Right. So, but I'm curious how it's going to go. Right. Like, are they going to hand me one of the old things and make it work or they're going to say we can't seat they'll you they'll probably say we're sorry yeah then I can't eat there I guess huh so to be honest can, can I come when yeah. we do this you just okay. got to be prepared to <laughs> watch me have a meltdown and then go to Perkins <laughs> <laughs> alright enough about this crap let's talk about something important alright the art of perfectly reviving Decades old Land Cruisers. Well, did that's you, important. <laughs> did you read this article? I did read this article. It's fascinating. It really is. You know what's more fascinating? Wired trying to force you to turn off your ad blocker. Yes. Um, yeah. They're pretty, uh, pretty insistent about <clears throat> it, too. So, you know, I've been thinking about this. Right? Because I... In principle, Wired has this article. Like, I know that it takes money for Wired to produce the website and to have people to write these articles that I find interesting, right? But um, on a couple of my web browsers, I run Ghostly, which, uh, you know, it, it pays attention to all the trackers and beacons and widgets that are being inserted on web pages and i have it set to turn everything off right and on some websites um that are important to me i let some stuff run in order to let the website work uh and some stuff doesn't bother me right like by default it blocks i think it's adobe typekit right which is Mm -hmm. fonts downloading from the web right that's fine. And there's some search widgets and stuff that I don't mind, you know, that they run. But uh, I was on Wired one day, and this, it has a little badge on its icon that tells you how many things it's blocked. And it was over 20 one day, right? Like the amount it's of. 37 <laughs> on this article on Wired. Yeah, the amount of, of crap that they've inserted mm-hmm. in the webpage is insane. Right, and some days when their turn off your ad blocker is is especially insistent, uh, I just view the source. And just read the article. Yeah, read the article in the source. And one article I was doing this on one day, the whole the source for a whole web page was almost eighteen hundred lines, and the article was forty. <laughs> now I know there's some boilerplate, and yeah. you know you got to have. All of these things in it, right? But the majority of that, you know, 1,600 lines mm-hmm. was was all of these scripts being inserted to track all of this stuff. Like, they're collecting so much data and serving up so much stuff. Like, I don't even know how they can even make sense from it all, from right. all of the data that they get. Um, so that's the thing. Unwired, I understand where they're coming from. I understand that they make money through advertising. 37 external requests is out of control. Like Wired needs to take a good hard look at their practices before they get on their high horse about my practices. Right. And so I said I was thinking about this a lot, right? Um, I'm not opposed to paying for stuff. And uh, I have um, a couple of magazine subscriptions, get a couple of car magazines, Um. In the past, I have tried getting them on my iPad. Like I used to get, for I've been a long time car and driver reader. And one year I decided, you know, I had an iPad. I said, they have, you know, get it on 
iBooks and and read it on the iPad. And it was it was new. It had just come out, and it was twenty four or twenty five dollars for a year. And I thought, well, it's the new thing. It'll it'll get cheaper, right? Well, my one year came and went, and they were going to renew for another twenty four dollars. I'm like, guys, that's that's a lot. Like they wanted to sell me the paper magazine mailed to my house for 10 bucks. <laughs> so I did not renew the digital and I got the paper magazine again. And, uh, it's, it, it just, until the paper magazine costs more than the digital, I don't know why I wouldn't just get the paper magazine. Right. right. I'm, I'm fine with putting the paper magazine mm-hmm. in the recycle bin when I'm done with it. Uh, but that got me thinking, right? The the part that drives me crazy about Wired, it's it's not that they shouldn't be able to sell advertising. They should, right? And I know that the ten bucks I pay for the car and driver magazine does not even come close to covering the costs for that thing, right? It's because all the ads in all of the pages in there and all the little cards that fall out when you open it, that's what pays for the magazine. But all of those ads in the magazine don't take anything away from me. They're in there. I see them. Maybe they waste my time because I have to flip past them. And if they're good, they'll catch your eye and you'll look at them. Right. They're not forcing you to look at it. But when you come to a web page and there's a bunch of ads in there, they're taking stuff from you. They're taking every every little scrap of data that you give to them in any way and for a lot of these ad networks it's not just on that page right they right they're building their dossier on you everywhere you go right and and they're they're taking from you your privacy and man that's uh that's a terrible thing Right, like that's a, yeah. I mean, I I would that's go a totally far, different social contract right. than at, there are ads in the magazine. I, I would go so far as to say, as Wired has approached like a bad actor state um, for what they're doing on but this webpage. It's not just Wired. Yeah, it's it's all websites, almost all websites that do this, right? Um, yeah. Well, I just paused Ghostry so I could load the article. So let's talk about it. <laughs> land cruisers uh, land cruisers uh so um toyota's been building land cruisers for a long time and uh in their early generations you know this was toyota just trying to build its own version of the jeep the, of the willie's jeep right and uh so they you know they're capable and reliable um and they have you know a very boxy jeep-like design um and people have bought them and owned them for a good long time and they really grow to like them and so they end up spending irrational sums of money to to keep them going right it's just one of those cars that has achieved that status and uh old cars like this like old trucks have kind of come back in style again right like 1960s ford broncos are a stylish thing to have now too um and so this article is about this um this company right um that's uh started by a bunch of brothers who um they started restoring their dad's old land cruiser after he died and once they put it all back together, they were like, wow, this thing is fantastic. <laughs> you know, this was his second Land Cruiser. Like, he bought his first one in 1968. Let's see if we can find that one. Um, and now it's kind of, it's turned into a business, right? They they find old Land Cruisers, right? They, um, I guess they have a shop in, uh, what was it, Bogota, right? Someplace in South America where... Uh, you know, the labor is relatively inexpensive mm-hmm. and they ship them down there and they take them apart and they put them back together. And, um, then people here buy them. Right. And so 
you know, they kind of start at, what did they say? Like 55 grand, 55,000 and go up from there. Um, I mean, which is a lot of money to spend Mm -hmm. on an old car. But as a guy who's got an old car that he spent a lot of money on, like I totally (laughs) get it. Uh, these are cool vehicles too. They really are. Because nobody makes anything like this anymore. You you literally cannot make a vehicle like this anymore because of modern regulations. Yeah. Like there's no way that this passes modern crash regulations. There are regulations now about having to protect the pedestrian when you crash into them. Right. Um, there's no way that's going to happen. You know, like old ones don't necessarily have padded dashes or bendable steering wheels. I mean, just design elements that right. will kill you if you get into <laughs> an accident. But um, they look the way they look because nothing can look like that anymore. Right. Now, Toyota has a modern version of this, don't they? The FJ Cruiser. Uh, Isn't that kind of the modern take on the, this FJ? So Toyota still Land builds Cruiser? a Land Cruiser. And Land Cruisers have gotten expensive. Okay. Um, they stopped selling them for a while here in the United States because... They were kind of overlapping with the Lexus brand, but I believe you can get Land Cruisers here now too. But you're talking about okay. spending sixty, seventy thousand dollars on a Toyota, which is a lot of money. But they're they're just as capable of machines today as they were forty years ago. Um, I the guess FJ that... is again Toyota's attempt to build a Jeep Wrangler and it looks like it was discontinued in 2014. It's been discontinued. Uh, they are worth as much now as they were when they were new. Really? Because they have a huge following, but they just never sold in numbers that convinced Toyota to make a second generation of them. Um, and it's, it's really, it's one of those tough, tough things. Like the spreadsheet says, don't do it, but they're enthusiastic, you know, the, the people who like them really like them. Um, so I, you know, I don't know if they're ever going to bring it back or not. It's, um, it's tough, right? Gas is cheap. Yeah. Americans are buying them. They probably wish that they'd had, but you really got to start, you know, three, four years. That decision was made long in advance. Yeah. The decision was probably made in the recession, to be honest. And it probably made a lot of sense then. Just to wind it down. Recessions are yep. cyclical, so they probably wish they had it now. Um, so I don't know. This is kind yeah. of a neat little story, right? It is. Yeah. They're very cool. It's not a very practical vehicle, especially in like the Midwest in winter. Um, Why not? It's not like it's going to get stuck. <laughs> um, I guess if you had a hard top. I just have a feeling that it doesn't stay particularly warm. I don't know. You're talking to the guy who's giving serious consideration to having a Mazda Miata as a daily driver. So <laughs> Another impractical car. It's nothing. Uh, look, <laughs> in it's winter, got two seats and there's one in me. Minnesota winter. <laughs> Which more? It's, it's a modern car. It's got heaters. What, what are you worried about? Okay. I mean, you're driving a truck that doesn't even have seat heaters. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Anyway. <laughs> I thought this was a fun It is very cool. Yeah. With unlimited funds and a unlimited car garage, it'd be fun to own one of these. Oh, yeah. All right, so let's go on the... Let's go on the next... The next article, which is another Wired article. And I noticed this one, you copied and pasted the text. Yeah, because it was... And, the... and, and so I saw that and I was like, why would he do that? And then I loaded the article and scrolled and saw this ad blocker <laughs> thing pop up. And I was like, oh, bingo. Yeah. So this is the mysterious virus that could cause obesity. Um. So there's a long story here, and we don't have to go deeply into it, but the short version is um, there's some researchers have come across 
a virus um, it for uh, it's an avian virus called SMAM1. And <clears throat> it's peculiar because when uh, chickens get this, it seems to make chickens fatter. But it lowers their cholesterol. It's a very weird thing. Um, and you can study it pretty effectively in chickens because the ethical concerns with doing experiments on chickens are a lot different than the ethical concerns of doing experiments on humans. Right. So the story that's relayed in here is a, uh, a researcher, you know, a guy who had a, a clinic treating obese people. He had some people who worked really hard to lose weight and it just seemed like they couldn't. With the traditional, you know, diet and exercise stuff, um, and so he had a friend that was doing this this chicken research on SMAM one, who mentioned to him, "Man, this weird virus that we're researching that seems to make chickens fatter." And he's like, "What? Could this really be a thing?" Like, and he's like, "Yeah." He's like, "Well, does this work in humans?" He's like, "I don't know. I'm studying chickens, right?" And so, as it turns out. There is a similar um, virus um, called, uh, what was it, AD36, I think is what it was called, um, that appears to do, uh, yeah, number 36, AD36, um, that looks genetically pretty similar to this chicken virus, but it's a human virus and so they've done some research um and there's a statistically significant correlation between uh obese people that have this have the antibody that they're in their body for, that you would have if you had this 8036 mm -hmm. virus um and their and their weight as compared to skinny people without it right um and so they're thinking, well, maybe this, you know, maybe some people who are obese might actually have a virus, right, that's modifying how their bodies work. And it seems to predispose certain stem cells in your body to choose to be fat cells as opposed to other types of cells. So it increases the number of fat cells that your body has. and It makes the fat cells you have store more fat in them. Um, and it modifies how your body reacts to glucose and all that. Right, kinds of it changed stuff. how your body processed sugar, causing it to produce more fat. So it's kind of a fascinating thing. Uh, so I have typed this into the Google to see. If there's know, any substantiation? Yeah, and um, I've come across a couple of other articles, stuff that's a little bit more scholarly, that basically says. Yeah, it seems like there's something here. People are working on it, but we don't know for sure yet. But there is some growing evidence that that some people, not all people, some people might have this thing. And uh, I've read about some speculation that maybe part of what you could do for this is work on a vaccine, which would help people yeah. prevent from getting it. Um. I don't know. It's just a fascinating thing. It really is. I do think that different people are obese for different reasons. And yeah. I would believe that there was some viral component to it for some people. And there's a genetic component for other people. Yeah. And there's a whole lot of ice cream for other people like me. Yeah. I think I'm the ice cream. Because <laughs> I like ice cream and candy bars and donuts. Oh, man, I love donuts. That's actually, you know, for the month of no sweets, I've driven by the gingerbread house a couple yeah. times and been like, oh. I'm having you in February, right? Like I, <laughs> like I know that it'd be hard for me to give up sugar completely because I'm already kind of mentally keeping a list of what am I going to eat as soon as I can eat it. Right. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this was interesting, and I, I mean, it seems feasible. It'll be interesting to see, you know, what they come up with. The thing is, is it takes a long time to develop. A vaccine for yeah. a virus and i have a feeling that there isn't as much you know mind share going towards 
and vaccination for this virus versus some other viruses that are a higher impact to society. So, yeah. Um, well, yeah, we'll see nutrition and weight. There's a lot of things wrapped up in that, mm. but who knows? Maybe when the Bill and Melinda Gates foundation wipes out, you know, polio finally, maybe they can, the chicken fat, disease. they can, they can wipe out obesity, chicken and fat next. I'd be all for okay. that. Uh, all right, so let's move on to our last one, which uh, has been particularly interesting to me lately. Uh, why ever so? <laughs> yeah. Why so, it's so hard to get over your ex, according to a relationship psychologist. Uh, this is just fascinating to me. So I'm... You know, so you've recently ended a long-term relationship. My yep, my now ex-girlfriend and I have recently ended our relationship, and uh, boy, that's a lot to process and think about. Mm-hmm. And reading this has given me a little bit of a mental framework with which to frame what you're feeling and thinking. Yeah, what what all this craziness has. Mm-hmm. Where does it come from and why is it happening? And, uh, but it, you know, when you read through this, it makes a lot of sense. And you kind of know this stuff, you know, because everybody's presumably had a relationship and had an end, right? Like it's, you know, I'm not unique in that regard. Um, But when it happens to you, I mean, it sure feels like it even when it's happened to you before. And so you kind of know part of how this stuff works, right? Because almost everybody has experienced it before. But um, the, the way this author puts words around it and describes it lets you think about it without the emotional content that goes with it, which is very helpful, right? Mm -hmm. And so the thing that was most interesting to me was the, well, there's a lot of it that was interesting, but the the part about when you're with someone uh, and they're, you know, you are dating them and you're committed to them and they're part of your life, your identity changes, you know, how you think about yourself mm-hmm. and how um, you think about the future. Um, and in a lot of ways, they're, you know, the, like when you're with another person, like your biology almost changes to match and accommodate that person. And the other person does the exact same thing, right? And so, um, they describe it in a lot of ways. It's like, you know, a mother and a child, right? It's like a baby and the baby's caregiver. And when, when they're separated, right, a baby exhibits a lot of the same symptoms that people have when they break up, right? Sleepless nights, irritability, um, you know, a whole range of emotions, right? And uh, you don't really think about it at the time. You just, you know, you're angry or you're sad or, you know, you're longing. Uh, But it's, there's almost a biological process of separation that occurs. Uh, And so to some extent, you just kind of have to trust that your body's going to figure it out and you're going to figure it out and the world will keep on trucking so the article did go on after discussing kind of the phenomenon it went on to talk about kind of prescriptive behaviors for getting over your ex did you find those to be interesting or meaningful they seemed a little superficial to me like give yourself permission to get angry um yeah 
um, the, you know, everybody's different. And I think that's part of why, you know, they can't give you a personalized five step plan to, yeah, to yeah. get through a breakup. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, uh, they talked about in the research when the, the people they were researching, when they got angry about it, it allowed them to, um, kind of separate from the other person faster and brought about more clarity about who they were, about their identity, um, which helped them bounce back faster. Right. And that there is something to that, right? Mm -hmm. When you go through a breakup, you spend a long time trying to figure out, you know, who am I, right? What is it that I want to do? And sometimes you rediscover the things that you used to do, but didn't, fit well with the other person you know and so you let them go and they come back and and that's fine and uh i don't know the the uh the hardest part um i think for a lot of people and and for me is to understand try to navigate through you know what's the what's the protocol right do you you know my ex's birthday is coming up soon right i spent many years you know planning something for a birthday well, or at the very least wishing something. wishing a happy birthday to this person right and you know do you do you do that now i mean i don't know it it's tough because um i don't i don't hate this person right like i it isn't that something so terrible happened between us that um you know i can't even stand the thought of this person it's just as is many things in life i think our relationship just came to an end and there it is right so do you do you send a birthday card or not mm -hmm. I don't know, right? Because, you know, this article would say contact can be bad. Yeah. Right? Like, because it'll make you remember all the stuff that you're missing. And then that will make you sad. And that makes the process then of separating yourself from them and regaining your own individual identity take longer and is hard. But maybe <laughs> not being a jerk <laughs> involves wishing somebody that you know and don't hate a happy birthday on yeah. their birthday. So, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. And this podcast doesn't have to be <laughs> Matt's relationship advice, but this article puts together a lot of this stuff in a very succinct and accessible way, more than anything else I've read. Mm. I don't know. And it closed out with the thought that you will move on eventually. Yeah. I guess there's one other thing I wanted to, to call out in here. Um, they, uh, they mentioned a technique called self-distancing. <clears throat> which is uh, um, it's imagining the story of something that has occurred in the context of this article the breakup uh, imagining how that would look from a third person perspective and uh, I guess I haven't tried to do that specifically for my breakup but I've done this or form of this for other things that have happened in my life right and I think there's something really powerful about trying to think about something that has happened 
to 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 work through what it means for you from a dispassionate you know almost third person perspective mm-hmm. right and if you imagine you're just some observer watching what's occurring it, it allows you to have an honesty with yourself that maybe you wouldn't have when you're remembering what happened and you're reliving the emotion that you had at the same time right if if doing this thing made you very happy or it made you very sad or it made you very angry um that can cloud your your intellectual judgment about what occurred and so this self-distancing technique um seemed like a a valuable thing hmm but that's all I got. Anything else you got? Nope. My coffee's empty. That must it's mean it's time. Time to, to hang it up. Yeah. It's one cup of coffee. That's all there is. All right. Until next time. See ya.